Six months ago, my friend Jesus gave me some sunglasses, and I should have worn them today. <laughs> but I'm going to get over here and stay out of that glare. Uh, look at the green. It's the last Sunday you'll see it for 14 Sundays. We will go to purple and then to white, and not until Pentecost or the Sunday after Pentecost will we go back to green. And so we know we're coming into a very special season. And I think that this scripture today, the first reading and the, the gospel in particular, but also the second reading, are a perfect, like a diving board into the pool of Lent. It, it's just amazing. And the example today gives us a chance to really ask ourselves, what kind of a Lent do we want to have? What are we going to do with this Lent? What will this journey be like? So let's start, let's get into the spirit of the readings today. We all have leprosy, okay? We've got blotched skin. We know our nose is going to fall off our ears. It's, it's a mess. And so the law tells us we have to go around shouting to everybody. See someone coming, we say, unclean, unclean. Let's try it together. Unclean, unclean. Mean it. You've got to keep people away from you. I see someone this close, I turn the corner. <gasps> unclean, unclean. What an amazing law, Leviticus. But stop and think about it. The law was there to protect people. And people who got leprosy through no fault of their own probably, although they may have mixed with people that someone said they might have leprosy and they did it anyway, but whatever the case, they took responsibility for their illness. And they shouted out to protect everyone. I think it's quite amazing. What if we had that kind of attitude? Now, I, you know I don't have the mask because I'm 20 feet away from anybody. But even in this time, a pandemic, one that we had uh, over 100 years ago, and the only thing they ask us, well, three things. Wash your hands and sanitize a whole bunch. I've done more in the last year than I've done in 30 years. Wear a mask, for God's sake. Wear a mask and stay distant. And I don't get it. These people say, I don't need a mask. I'm not going to wear a mask. I know a priest. I was over at the rectory of a friend of mine, and, the, and I said to this priest, he's not from this country, and I said, where's your mask? He said, I don't like wearing a mask. Ooh, you should hear what I told him. Ooh. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. But the Jews shouted out, unclean, stay away from me. Don't come near I'm not clean. I don't want to infect you. Wow, extraordinary. Well, last night there was a nurse at the Mass, and, and I said, you know, we don't have leprosy anymore, maybe a rare case in Africa. And she said, well, Father, that's not exactly true. We don't call it leprosy anymore. It's Hansen's disease. And there's a place in Los Angeles I used to work there, and we get cases every once in a while. But it's very, it still is rare, I believe. But we do deal with a kind of a leprosy. And it's not physical, but it's spiritual. I, I call it spiritual leprosy. We, and we all have it. Every one of us has it. And sometimes it rares up and it's awful. And sometimes it's just very subtle. Sometimes we're not even very much aware of it. Sometimes we kid ourselves and think that we're, you know, we're, we're so pure and clean, but we can have attitudes that are, uh, that are full of a, a leprosy. I remember when I was in grammar school, it was the second grade, I heard it one time in my life. So uh, this, was, this was a long time ago, well over 50 years ago. And um, it was in second grade. 
And this sister, a religious of the, the BBM sisters that were here also, said this. She was trying to describe to us how terrible sin is and that if after we die, uh, we, we have to maybe go to purgatory for some time to be cleansed. I'm repeating what she said, okay, not what, what I gather. And she said this, boys and girls, imagine that this room here is a big rock, a granite solid rock. And every year, once a year, a little sparrow comes and lands on the rock and goes like this with its beak to sharpen its beak. And then flies away. When that rock is gone, that's one day in purgatory. OMG! If that sister nun said it to scare us, shame on her. And if she said it because she believed it, bigger shame on her. And I hope to God before she died, she lost that belief. Me, really, where is the mercy of God? Where is the mercy and love of God? Tell me, what purpose would God have for saying, I want you after you die to be in, it'll be like hell, but it won't be hell because you do get to get out. But you're going to spend some time there. You've got to burn off all that stuff that you did. And even though I forgave it long ago, you, you still have to pay. You just have to. Really, God? That's the God of mercy and love? Whatever. Believe whatever you want. It's not up to me to decide what we believe. But I'll tell you this much. I think that is a, just a gross exaggeration. I tell you, when, when people come to confession, I even say this all the time. You've heard me say it before. I don't believe we get forgiven when we go to confession. We get healed, which is different. I think we get forgiven the moment we turn to God. And most of us turn to God long before we went to confession. So we commit some sin. We do something that hurts somebody else or hurts ourselves or hurts both. And, and we, we, we feel remorse. And we say, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I need to go to confession. Well, I've just said, God, I'm sorry. Do you think that God would say this? Oh, man, I'd love to forgive you, but I, I just don't have the power. See, until you get to the priest, he's got the power. I, I can't do anything. Really, God? No, nah, that's nonsense. God forgives immediately. In fact, God is pulling us, calling us. Come on, come on. I want to forgive you. Come here. Come here. Let me in. Let me in. But the reason we go, and the church is so wise, it is so beautiful, um, what God established over 2,000 years ago and then just grew and developed. It has its problems. We have our sins, but we have some very beautiful practices. And confession is one of the best, if you ask me. Because what we do is we take our shame, which is a killer of the Spirit, and we take it into that place with another person, which is so important because, you see, it's easy to tell God I'm sorry. But if I say in front of this person, this is what I did. And I'm wrong, and I'm sinful, and I need to say I'm sorry. And then they tell their sin. Sometimes they tell them, okay, that's enough. You don't have to go into more detail. That's good. That's good. I get it. The point is that in taking our shame and putting it in front of another human being, who's just as big a sinner as I am, it eradicates the shame. It, it breaks it. That's what they say in the AA and, and all the 12-step programs. You've got to tell your sins out loud. 
That's what breaks the shame. Shame is trying to hide from others. It's what we heard in the, in the story of, of Genesis this week, in, in the weekdays, that, that after Adam and Eve sinned, they realized they were naked and they covered themselves. Then they hid from God. He said, why are you hiding? Well, we were ashamed. So we go to confession to break the shame. And what we do is when we tell the sin, we hear words of forgiveness. So by celebrating forgiveness... By sharing our shame and celebrating in ritual forgiveness, we are allowed to walk out in peace and be healed. So I tell people, I told three people this week in confession, I said, you see that little splotch of gum there? And the person said, yes. And I said, that's your sin. And I hear you, you, you feel really ashamed of your sin, that's your sin. But you know, the forgiveness of God is bigger than 10 planet Earths. That's how big the forgiveness and mercy of God is. That's your sin. God's mercy is much bigger. Will you let it in? Will you let it in? In fact, in the re opening prayer today, in the, oh, the opening prayer of the Mass is often so instructive. Listen to what it said. O oh God, who teach us that you abide in hearts that are just and true. You abide in hearts that are just and true. Does that mean if our heart is not just and true, he can't get in? No, of course. I, I'd, like to, I'd like to hear me say, God, I don't want you in my heart or soul. He said, oh, really? You don't want me in your heart and soul? I made it. I'll do what I want. But the truth is, we, from our side, we can't keep God out, but we can stop recognizing his presence. We can refuse to believe that he's there, doesn't mean he's not there. And it goes on to say, Grant, grant, give it to us, Lord. Grant that we may be so fashioned by your grace as to become a dwelling place pleasing to you so that as you dwell in us, we will recognize it and appreciate it. And so, what do these scriptures offer us today? Not only to recognize we are unclean, unclean spiritually, all of us, we, we all sin. Sometimes it's little, sometimes it's big, sometimes it passes quickly, sometimes it's stubborn. We can hate for years if we want to. We can refuse to forgive somebody for the rest of our lives if we want to. We can say things like, 20 years ago you said this to me. 20 years ago and you're still hanging on? We can do it. I'm not putting anyone down for it because we've all been there. We all go to that place. But today's scriptures are saying to us, especially on this Sunday before Ash Wednesday, before we begin Lent, what if we were to identify even one area of leprosy, spiritual leprosy, one fault, one attitude, one past action, one way of thinking, one social distancing, and I don't mean physical for our health, but that refuse to talk to somebody or put them out of our lives. What if we were to look at the one thing we hang on to like mad because we just can't let go or better, we just won't let go. And we say, Lord, here's my leprosy. And what if we approached the Lord and said, unclean, unclean. But what if we approached the Lord and said, Lord, if you will it, you can remove my leprosy, my spiritual leprosy. If you will it, Lord, you can make me clean. 
And he looks at us and says, I do will it. Be made clean, I do will it. Of course I will it. How could I will anything less? And I will even touch your leprosy. And I will make it clean. You know, it says in the gospel today that when the man said that to the Lord, if you will it, you could make me clean. He had absolute faith. And it says Jesus looked at him with pity. He didn't want pity. He wanted to be made clean. But in that pitying and merciful look, Jesus spoke those words, I do will it. And so my proposal to you and to me on this Sunday, this diving board before we jump into the pool of Lent, let us ask the Lord to, to, to touch that leprosy within us, that spiritual leprosy, and make it clean. And we have a whole 40 days and 40 nights, the journey of Lent. The church chooses this 40 days because 40 is a big number. If we seek out that one thing, maybe more, but at least that one thing that we really would like cleansed. And maybe it's something that nobody else knows or sees in us, but we know it's in there really deep. It's lodged in there deeply. The Lord will reach out and touch it. I know it. I see it all the time. I've seen it in my own life. And so we come before Lent even begins, recognizing this is a powerful, powerful season that is upon us. And we open up to this powerful, powerful cleansing and healing that the Lord intends to give to us.